attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. And welcome to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for Boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. This week's guests on the podcast, Lee and Chris Cohn. Lee and Chris were awesome. Uh, I had not had the pleasure of meeting them before. I went to Lee's house in Arizona, but we had a great time. Uh, two guys, both, you know, father, son, very different experiences at camp, but a lot of crossover too. Uh, we had a lot of cool stories shared. Um, definitely both were on the, uh, on Denny's list <laughs> at some point, it seems like, but you'll hear all about that. Uh, just, it's not very clear when you're listening to it, but I start with Lee and then Chris, uh, then we go to Chris for a few minutes and then we just sort of kind of do a round table with the three of us. So in case there's any confusion when Chris comes in, before we get to that, I wanted to let you know that uh, I am coming to you live from the brand new Camp Ojibwe History Project World Headquarters. I am, I've become a permanent resident of Highland Park, Illinois for the next mm, nine months or so at least. Which is great. So I decided that uh, there was still a lot of history to do. There's a lot of work to do on this project. And it was just too difficult to try to do it all from New York. So why not get right here in the heart of things, get a lot closer to people, get a lot more podcasts recorded, get a lot more pictures scanned, things like that. So I'm here and uh, it's lovely. I have a lovely uh, coffee shop downstairs. It's a nice walk over to the lake. What a beautiful city. This place must be great in, like, December. Okay, we're not going to talk about that. That's the part I'm nervous about. That and the pizza, you know. I lived in New York for a long time. i got a pretty set way I like pizza, so I'm a little nervous. Anyway, just so you know, I'm here. So all you guys who are dying to get podcasts recorded, reach out. Let's get going. Absolutely. Uh, also, of course, we still have the Camp Ojibwe History Project Walk of Fame bricks available. Still have a few slots there, so if you've not gotten your brick yet, head over to campojibahistory.org, click on Walk of Fame, and uh, real easy, you can pick up your brick, get yourself eternally immortalized on the grounds of Camp Ojibwe. Of course, one of the other reasons I'm here for the next nine months is also prepping for OJ90, the 90th summer celebration, May 6th, 2017. Put it on your calendars if you haven't already. Uh, it's going to be incredible, and I'm going to keep reminding you about it. I know. We're going to be having some very cool information coming out uh, in the next couple of weeks, in fact, about OJ90 and about how you can get involved. So keep your ears open for that. You'll hear it here first if you don't hear it anywhere else. <laughs> okay, enough of the housekeeping. Here we go. Lee Cohn and Chris Cohn on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast.
Cone, uh, 1954 to 1964. Nice. <laughs> uh, how did you first hear about Camp Well, my, my family, my uncle was, I think, the youngest camper ever, maybe. My uncle Bob was five when he went to camp. Um, my dad and uh, Al and Pearl were, you know, good friends. <clears throat> so, you know, from the family, we had a history of, you know, going to camp. Nice. And uh, I think my uncle was the first, the legend is the first person to hit it in the lake. Okay. So that's the same uncle that was five. The same uncle, yeah. Uh, yeah. And what's his name? Bob Cohn. And he was, he played football at Northwestern, big guy, good athlete. So he was, so, and my dad went to, I can't remember the camp he went to, but, you know, Ojibwe was, you know, the place that, you know, from where I grew up in West Rogers Park. So, okay. you know, we had a number of people from our neighborhood that were going. So, so by that time, it was all yeah. popular. Yeah. People knew Ojibwe. Right. It was a household name, basically. Exactly. Um, and you said that your parents knew Alan Pearl. Was that from, like, the Covenant Club or, like, something? Yeah, like from Chicago, from whatever, the social circles in Chicago. Nice. So when it was time for you to camp, did they come to a camp call? Did they come over and show you the... I kind of remember they, I think they did do that back then. I think Al came over and whatever, they showed film or something. You know, I was, I was seven when I went. Okay. So uh, I was pretty young. <laughs> right. And, uh, An old man compared to your uncle. But compared to my <laughs> uncle, yeah. But seven was pretty young, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the kids go anymore when they're seven, I, no. right? I mean... It's a lot tougher. I mean, these days... Uh, the youngest kids have to be able to compete athletically with the 10-year-olds. Yeah. So if you're 7 or 8, you got to at least be able to hit a softball that a 10-year-old is throwing. Yeah. So that's kind of the line. But, um, so they came to the camp call. Uh, how did you get to camp in those days? Was it still on the train? or did you I bus? think it was a train back then. Nice. Yeah. It's an amazing thought. <laughs> yeah. It's like a train for like days. Oh, yeah, yeah. It feel like days. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. And come on. Yeah, it was a, I remember it was a rough... I don't know. I don't know why my folks were there, um, or maybe they was visiting when they came up the first time, and I was hysterical, crying, and you know, grabbing onto my mom. I want to go home, and you know, they they left me. <laughs> so I rem I, re I remember that. I I guess I wasn't happy initially, you know, and I was homesick. So as a seven year old, so that was, you know, and I remember years later talking about how hard that was for my mom to. You know, leave her little crying seven-year-old. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Do you remember anything about like sort of first arriving, what your first impression of camp was? No, I can't. I mean, that we're going back, you know, a long time. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I don't really, you know, I don't have a lot of, you know, memories from that those first couple of years. You know, sure. I just I was I was too young. So, um, I mean, the one memory I had, the one I was thinking about some of this, and and. Um, so I was a, a really good athlete when I was young. So, I mean, I peaked when I, when I was like 12 is the best, I, <laughs> the best I ever got. But when I was at camp, I was pretty good, you yes. know. And I had a counselor, Hershey Carl. I don't know if his name, oh, sure. it, you know, came up. And by the way, if, if he were around, you know, in his prime, he'd be, uh, he was a better shooter than Seth Curry. I mean, he was wow. one of the great long-distance shooters yeah. in the history of, of college, you know. Anyway, he was my counselor, and at rest period, he would take me out to shoot free throws. And I think I may have been in cabin two or three, so I was eight or maybe eight or nine then. And he, um, and I got to a point where I never missed a free throw. 
you know, he took me out of, from rest period. That's where I would he'd take me out there. Then he started bringing the other counselors out and betting, <laughs> putting me on a line and betting. And I, you know, I don't think I ever lost because literally at that time I never missed a free throw. So I had I had some pretty good coaching, yeah, some sure. counselors that took me under their wing when I was you know really young, and I remember that for sure. That was one of my early memories. <laughs> I'll be giving you at least a cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So early on, uh, when you're still pretty little, uh, the camp day is basically over shower. Were you a dip guy or a shower guy? No, I was definitely a shower guy. Okay. No, no, there was no <laughs> dipping. Oh yeah, I get it. today I'd be a, a dip guy. Yeah, yeah I, but back then I was a you know. It seems pretty divisive. It's either you're one or the other. Yeah. There's very few guys who answer like half and half. Right. Yeah. Right yeah. Yeah. Um, but then you had like instruction. Um, do you remember sort of when you were younger? What, what were the things that appealed to you that made you want to go back? Uh, well, the sports. I mean, I was ultra competitive. <clears throat> And, of course, camp then was very competitive, Absolutely. you know, I mean, very competitive. So I liked competing, so I, that's what I liked about it. And then, you know, as I, after the first two or three years, I, the same people keep coming back So at camp. So, you know, you develop some friendships. And we had people from, I remember, I think George and his brother Ian were from Indiana, George mm-hmm. Sachs. And uh, so, you know, you, you met some different people that you didn't, weren't in your neighborhood in Chicago. Yeah. There were a lot of suburban kids. You know, we were in West Rogers Park. So, you know, Gary Greenberg, who, by the way, I heard his podcast. <laughs> Pretty good. I got a good story about him. But uh, uh, so, you know, I think that was, you know, uh, for me, you know. And the other thing is you just went back to camp. It didn't matter if you liked it or not. Back then, your, the parents said, you're going to camp. There were no specialty, you know, camps back then. So for athletes, you know, for me, I played football, basketball, and I was a tennis player and stuff. When I started getting a little older, there were no specialty camps. So everybody went to camp for eight weeks back then. Obviously, it was all eight weeks. Right. Today, it's a different world. The kids got hockey camp, and, they, you know, they can go for two weeks or four weeks. And yeah, It's really changed all of them. The camp experience. Oh, the whole the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I obviously, you know, I liked it a lot better the other way. But times change, and yeah. had a competitive nature of it. it. It was too much back then. I mean, I I probably did some damage to some kids. At, uh, <laughs> I, I don't remember their names, but you know, I was really bad sport. I did not like to lose, and you know, we had all those. You know, back then, you know, like when you were playing basketball. You had to play everybody for so long, right? Right. So I remember one kid uh, couldn't play at all. So I basically would take him onto the court and I'd put him in the corner and I'd say, you stand here the whole, you never move, you move, I'll kill you, you know. (laughs) Poor kid would be standing there while I'd be running in, you know, scoring 50 points. And, you know, no one said anything, sure. you know, you know, Danny, I don't know if Danny where he, you know, Danny was there, but Sid Novak, you know, who was yeah. the, the guy back then, you know, and of course, Al was active and, and, you know, no one ever like said, you know, you shouldn't do that. That's not nice. You know, I mean, you, you couldn't get away with that today. No, so, yeah, so that was, you know, I think it was looking back on it myself, you know, some of the things that we did, the kids that, that weren't, if you weren't a good athlete back then. It was not a fun place to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It sounds like it was a really tough experience to be a kid who 
either wasn't a good athlete or if he didn't like sports. I right. Mean, he didn't really just die. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, really bad. I mean, uh, I remember a softball. I, don't know, I think it was collegiate week. So, you know, we kind of got I was a shortstop. We got everybody together. We said, okay, look, if there's a fly ball in the infield, I'm taking it. You know, so there was a fly ball to the second baseman. I ran over and the kid bumped into me and dropped the ball. After the game, I chased him into his cabin, turned his bed over, took all the clothes out of his, you know, and I think I actually beat him up. That I don't, I'm not going to, and I don't remember his name, but, uh, but, you know, I think back on that. I mean, how horrible was that? I mean, it was like, you know, it, but camp, camp was... Winning was everything. I mean, it wasn't uh, the sportsmanship was not, you know, right. uh, what we see today where all the kids get trophies, you know. There you, you won, you got a trophy. You didn't win, you didn't get anything. So, you know, that's what kind of brought me, obviously. The, the, those factors that you just went to camp because there weren't a lot of options. And then uh, and the sport, you know, the competitive side of camp was phenomenal. We had amazing athletes. Yeah. Well, they always, they're always been great athletes there. But, right. You know. Yeah, it's, but, but it really sticks out that period, that period from like early 50s to late 60s. Yeah. It really is the, the standout Jewish athletes from all over the city. Yep. And talking about like Hershey Carl, yep. like the Koranskis, like uh, those guys who come, Ronnie Rubenstein. Ronnie Rubenstein. Um, and those guys who are coming in and, and also guys playing college ball. Oh, yeah. Again, even today, that by those days, having a staff guy who played, there's no way you have a staff guy who played college ball. You just couldn't <laughs> of course. Do it. it would be impossible. Right. But to be able to be a kid and watch those guys play and learning from them, yeah, incredible. Yeah, our counselors when I was cabin four or five or whenever that was, we had a we had a, a team, a counselor team. You know, traveled around, played other. I mean, everybody on that team was playing in college. Wow. <laughs> you know, I mean, Ronnie Rubenstein and Hershey Carl in the backcourt. You know, he went to Louisville, and Hershey went to DePaul. Barry Holt, he went to DePaul. Uh, Howie Falk was another guy. I don't know if that name came up. He was a lefty. Bernie Kirshner was our center. Remember, he was like 6'4". It's, it's amazing I actually remember these guys' yeah, sure. <laughs> names, you know. But these guys were unbelievable. I mean, you know, no camp could beat us. I mean, we, you know. So I think that's the – that was a great era back yeah. then. You know. And to be fair, I mean, those guys really are like heroes to, to the campers. I mean, there, there's a reason. Oh, yeah. They're, they're not just like, like – Mentor. I mean, they're leaders. They're yeah. heroes. Oh, yeah. So, as a young camper, uh, what other things stuck out for you? Were you active with the Braves? Were you a, were you a Brave? Yeah, yeah. I was a Brave. Uh, I was never the big chief, for, you know, but I was a Brave. I went through all that, you know, warrior silence. And all. Sure. <laughs> I used that when I was a counselor. <laughs> That's a whole other story. But that, uh, yeah, so I went through all that, you know. Didn't spend a lot of time in the shop, and I wasn't too big into the on the theater side. You know, yeah. I, I wasn't part of the uh, jubilee. What they call the, the minstrel show? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never qualified for any of that. Also competitive, though. Even that side. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. It's crazy. So, for the record, first, please state your name and years at camp. Uh, Chris Cohn, and I think I was a camper, eighty sixth to eighty nine. Is that? Close enough, yeah. Did you have an option of where you were going to go to camp? No, absolutely not. No. Yeah, no, I think besides my dad, I mean, we were pretty much the only ones from Arizona at the time that, you know, got to camp. So obviously it's just kind of a family tradition. When it was my age, 
it's time for me to go to camp. And like my dad, I was one of those kids that got really homesick, so I wasn't the best camper. But I was a great, I was a really good athlete, so I, you know, I, uh, I excelled in the athletics, but I remember being homesick as a kid and wanting to go home and all of that stuff, so, you know, I wasn't the greatest camper, but it was still, uh, it was still, you know, just a great place to go and yeah. be. And you were talking about your family and your age range. Who are the other, you have some other family members sort of from that range who were there when you were? Yeah, so my cousins are Ricky and John Michaelon. And so, you know, automatically I had very high expectations in terms of my athleticism. Sure. You know, because those two were pretty much legends at the time. Absolutely. And I remember, you know, playing like my first game of basketball and some kids like, oh, who are you? Whatever. I'm like, Chris Cohn. And, you know, how'd you get here? And I said, oh, you know, my, my cousin is Rick or John Michaelon. And they said, oh, well, you better, you know, be a good athlete. So I had a lot of, you know, pressure. Uh, yeah, you know, because sure. those two were very good athletes and still are. So, but it was good because though they were there when I was, you know, when I was a camper, a young camper, and so, you know, nobody messed with me. You know, it was right. great. Not like people, not like campers get messed with, but well, you know, yeah, yeah. right. But those two were there to look after. Actually, I think it was John Ricky. I think it was like Ricky didn't. Ricky was like a football camp or basketball camp or somewhere else. It was mostly John when I was there. Um, and I actually remember one time, like my first couple weeks as a camper, some some guy, I think his name was like Penguin or something. It's weird how these memories come back. They, his nickname was a weird nickname, like Penguin with a Penguin or something, and he like pushed me or something. And John just got, like, just attacked the guy. Don't ever touch my cousin, I'll kill you, blah, blah, blah. So after that, it was great. Everyone, you know, yeah, nice. stay away from that kid, you know, whatever, it was, it was good. Uh, yeah. So coming from Arizona, did you get a, a traditional camp call? Did they come and show you the video or show you? Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. Did they? Didn't they? If I recall, I I recall Denny coming here and me watching a video when I was a really young kid. Uh, I, think did. I think you're right. Yeah, but I, I mean, it was already locked for me that I was going to go, that I was going to be at Ojibwa just because you know I really looked up to my cousins and they went and. Um, I know that my dad went and, you know, uh, so I just, you know, it was kind of a no-brainer. Had you gone to post camp before you were Yeah. Camp? So you already knew the grounds. Right? Yeah, I knew the grounds. I knew the grounds. And uh, I was always a, a really big fisherman, even mm-hmm. as a kid. And so I remember, you know, being really into fishing. And uh, I think we went up there before camp, my dad and I, and went fishing. And then... Um, Right. Yeah, I think the house, he bought a house on, on the lake across from camp, and that's why I only went to camp for three years, because I was at the house across the, the lake right. with jet skis and boats and my buddies <laughs> from home. And, so you get all the camp experience without right. needing to be at camp. Yeah, sure. yeah. Um, so going into camp, though, who were your guys, uh, who were your like, cabin mates with? Who were guys maybe you're still friends with today? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... Uh, Stu Nitzkin is one of the greatest people of all time. I love him to death. He's probably the, you know, the the first person that comes together. But, you know, my crew uh, from a camper and a counselor was like, you know, Stu, Jeff Kaplan. Um, uh, Jimmy Marco, Jimmy Goodman, uh, Benji Schwab. Uh, there's so there's a lot there's many uh, there's many others um, 
I remember more as a counselor than I did as a camper. Um, How long were you a counselor? Or when? So I came back as a counselor my freshman year in college when I was at the University of Arizona. So 96 through 99, I was a camper. And then all those guys. So, you know, um, Stu Nitzkin, Benji Schwab, Jimmy Marco, Jimmy Goodman. Because now all those guys are staff guys. Right. So we're, that, that was like my crew. Uh, and it was just, it, it, was, it was an unbelievable experience, you know, being a counselor at Camp Ojibwa. It was one of the greatest, you know, experiences of my adult life, young yeah, adult life. Sure. Um, so sort of like opening the floor and kind of talking together about everything in general. Uh, what, tell me about Collegiate Week. <laughs> well... <laughs> You know, again, Collegiate Week was, uh, you know, unbelievably competitive. And, um, you know, it's amazing how, you know, with stunt night and song night and whatever, you know, the stuff that got done in a, uh, in a week, I guess, right. right, was pretty amazing. You know, the amount of time you spent in the camaraderie and <clears throat> um, Collegiate Week was phenomenal. I mean, you know. I mean, you talk to people today, you know, everybody remembers collegiate, you know, sure, I mean, everybody's, and, uh, you know, number one pick, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the whole the whole thing, you Did know. You I think I won, in 10 years, I think I won maybe once or twice. I know I won once for sure, but I don't know. I keep thinking I won twice, but, you know, we go back every summer because we still fish up there every summer. Yeah. And uh, we always go to camp and look around and check out the plaque, see if, I'm, see if I'm still up there, <laughs> you know, and see what I won and, you know, watermelon, peach league and all that. So yeah. the, the, that part of it is kind of fun, you know. But Collegiate Week was amazing, you know. Anything, I mean, any specific stories from Collegiate Week that stick out? Anything that... Uh, no, you know, I think that's kind of the same thing, the way you did the, the, the events, you know, how you had to pick people to show up, whether it was box hockey or, you know, oh, some sure. of those crazy games. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just remember a lot of yelling at the kids that weren't doing <laughs> what they were supposed to be doing, <laughs> carrying their weight, you know. Oh, my God, you know. I mean, it was it was brutal. I mean, so that was a great week, you know. That was you – know, I think that's the highlight of camp probably for people. I mean, I yeah, don't know it's what – it's amazing the way that um, – the way that that thing became what it is, I mean, it is the it is the thing every guy from camp will talk about. Even guys who don't like sports, or whatever. I mean, even yeah. if they didn't like collegiate, they it is the thing that sticks out. And it, and to guys who like it and love it, it is the whole world. There are many business achievements or life achievements they would much rather not have <laughs> than winning collegiate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I was gonna say, you know, I heard the I heard the I heard the one with Jimmy Marco and Brett Victor and. Um, so I was head coach of uh, University of Illinois. Jimmy Goodman uh, was my, uh, what is it, the assistant coach? Yeah. You know, and like I'm not, for some reason I'm not one of those guys I can remember like what, you know, I mean as a camper I think, I, I mean I was a really good athlete. I, I, I Obviously I didn't go 1-1, but I'm not one of those guys I can remember like, I don't even know, I think we came in like third or something, yeah. you know. Uh, but collegiate week was just one of those things where you know, I was not one of the most competitive campers, uh, you know, when I was a camper. I just wasn't really that competitive. You know, I wasn't like my dad, and I wasn't like most people in terms of competitiveness, but um, being a coach of Collegiate Week was a whole different story. I mean, it was, 
it was uh, it was a lot of fun and very competitive. And I think I actually, if I remember correctly, I got sick, like I got the flu or something weird. Oh, wow. And I spent a lot of time with uh, late, with Lady Lodi in the nurses' station. <laughs> but that's a different story. Sure. Um, <laughs> she was a yeah, she was great. Uh, she made me feel better. <laughs> Uh, and so I, I recall Jimmy Goodman taking over for me and I don't know how I forgot if you know he'll have to tell you I'm sure he knows everything about it but yeah. actually I, I, yeah I just I just remember a story when I was a camper I was a really good swimmer remember? I was, yeah and when I was a camper Danny Shapiro was my coach I don't know the name of the, you know the, our team or whatever but I remember swimming in the swim meet part of the of collegiate week and you know Danny was really good friends Shapiro was really good friends with my cousins right mm -hmm. and he was always so nice to me and whatever treated me really nicely and you know whatever just like all those old guys did older guys did and I remember doing something wrong in the swim meet like I think I was supposed to do the, the fly and I did the back or I messed yeah. up you know whatever sure. the kid you, you yeah. make a mistake yeah. and I remember him just reaming me <laughs> I mean like and I'm like, Dan, you know, I, I think I started crying. I think he felt bad. He said, sorry, it's very competitive, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I felt really bad about it because I was one of the, the good swimmers for my age. Mm -hmm. And I messed up, you know. He's like, this is not the time to mess up. It's the week, blah, blah, blah. You got my face, you know. And then he, you know, apologized. But that's just kind of like the competitiveness of that, yeah. of the week. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's, cra it's crazy, but it's really, it's awesome. I miss it. I miss it all. Yeah, it really brings it out of people. I mean, the whole camp, like, it, it sort of, camp starts running itself, in a way, during the week. Like, yeah. You know, we're all there, we're being, there's counselors, and we're all doing our jobs, but that, yeah. the ball just starts rolling. And that, it takes over. that, uh, the relay race, the, what, the what obstacle do you, race. the obstacle race, mm -hmm. still have that? Absolutely. I mean, that, well, I remember this. The strategy behind that was always unbelievable. Who's going to run the, the field? Who's going to swim around the island? Who's going to shoot baskets and bow and arrow? You know, the whole, yeah. I remember the, yeah. the, the thing in the, you know, the, the burlap, you know, the hop. What, they still do that? That around the tree? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's like one of the great events, you know, of all time. Yeah. And it really, like, it, it keys into everything Ojibwe guys love. They love to coach, they love to feel like they can tinker and, and coach their way to a victory. Yeah. And this way you get to pick each kid for each thing so they feel like they're yeah. geniuses because they yeah. can kid through the horseshoe the right way the first time. Yeah. And you got to use every kid. You got to use every kid. So, you know. And oftentimes the week depends on the obstacle race. So oh, yeah. You know, it's close yeah. enough that if, you know, if you're close, you can't win without it. So. <laughs> Other sports things, though. So, in, when you were there, you're right at the transition. As a young camper, is it something you even notice that camp is now under new management or that there's new... When I was a camper? Yeah. I mean, I know you're, you're pretty young at that point, but is there any... Oh, when Danny was there? As a camper, is there any feeling of knowing the difference? Because as a post-camp post kid, you would see now... I mean, you probably knew Danny, but you were yeah. around for Al and all that, but then as you come in as a camper, now you're in the Schwartz or in the Rosen era. No, I don't remember much about yeah. that. You know, I uh, I knew Danny uh, from Ricky and John and my dad and... He was always, always really nice to me, and I, you know, when I was a camper, I was homesick, and he'd say, suck it up, kid, you know, <laughs> whatever. Sure. I think I actually did four weeks the first, my first summer, and then I went back for eight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't really know, you know, I just, sure. you just go there, and it's, you just, you know, play sports and meet friends for life, and it's, uh, it's it was great. But with that, 
were the sports leagues um, all season long, or were there two sets? Was there like a four week? I think there was two sets, if I recall correctly, nice. but I may be wrong. And then when you were there, of course, you're on yeah. one team the whole season. Yeah, it was the whole. Yeah, he had one team, whatever the whole. You know. So there are those that say that those plaques are more valuable <laughs> because they were hard to get because right. it, you know it took a lot more work, a lot more effort, a lot more time. Yeah, yeah. But you, uh, you're on a few plaques, you said. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I'm on. Well, I don't remember, but you know, I know. A lot of basketball, watermelon, um, <clears throat> some of the, again, I was a pretty good swimmer. Never tracked the track and field stuff was, uh, I wasn't too good at it. And I remember I never won any races, you know. Uh, I remember Gary Greenberg was fast. Mm-hmm. And then we had, an, it was, we had another kid that was really fast. I don't remember his name. I don't think he was from Chicago, but... <clears throat> um, but you know, for me, basketball and like softball and all that was uh, were my you know were the best sports for me. And tennis, I played tennis, but you know there wasn't a lot of tennis at camp. Right. You know, competitive tennis. Right. I mean, I don't remember ever. I don't think it was part of anything that I remember. I don't know. Did you ever get the big ass to play with Pearl and Al or anything like that? Yeah, I never played with Pearl and Al, which was probably a good thing. Yeah. That was some serious. <laughs> Serious stuff That's going on. I I that, that was the most intense game yeah. in the that, that, that was that was pretty intense, you know. And uh, and and for me, you know, what kind of what happened to me is when I became a counselor, I kind of got burned out of camp, mm. and I was a really bad counselor. I mean, bad from a standpoint of talk to Denny <laughs> <laughs> and Mickey. Like, uh, like you still wanted to be a camper. Or, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I think I just had, had kind of had, I remember umping softball games mm-hmm. and stuff, and I'd stand behind the plate and the pitch would come in, it'd be a strike. I'd go, ball one. <laughs> the guy, what do you mean that was a strike? The coach, you know, the, the, the screaming at me. Yeah. What are you talking about? I go, you know, it was a ball. I didn't swear to you. <laughs> so I would call ball strikes, strikes ball, you know. I would lay down and sleep during the basketball games. I was supposed to be refereeing, and then he would come out, and everybody would complain. I just kind of got sure. completely burned out. You know, it was you know it wasn't a good thing. Um, and then what happened? And then and then um, I uh, <laughs> uh, I had two counselors that were brand new, and we got to be really close. You know, um, they had never been to camp. It was our first time at camp. They were, <laughs> They were counselors. I, I think I was still at JC. Can't remember what cabin we were in, but we became real close. So we used to sneak out together, three of us. Okay. That's a no-no. <laughs> sure, and we we put a kid in. I put a kid in my bed, you know. <laughs> and Denny, I don't know if it was Denny or Al back then still, or Mika came around and did good night, boys. You know, right. check bed check or whatever. And I was constantly getting busted, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we did a lot of weird things back then. Um, one of them, the, uh, you know, Gary Greenberg story. So Gary, you know, was a real prankster and jokester, you know, and, uh, and we had a summer where pranking was the big thing. I mean, like crazy pranking, you know, guys would come back after going out and we'd hide under the stairs at like midnight and the guy would be walking up the stairs, and we'd go up and scare him. And, you know, it was like a crazy summer of pranking, you know. And so we went out one night to a bar, I think in Rhinelander. I had a station wagon or something. Six of us or someone out there, and we're drinking beer. And we leave, and I'm driving. Somebody says, hey, Gary's not here. 
You know, I said, Dad, okay, sure, okay. He said, no, Lee, seriously, Gary's not here. I said, yeah, yeah, okay. I know he's in the back hiding. There's no way I'm going back. You guys, all these pranks, you know, all this stuff. So I drive all the way to camp, right, a long way, 45 minutes or something. I look back there, no Gary. We left <laughs> We left him at the bar in Rhinelander. You know, it was like, that's how crazy it was. I mean, we had a, that summer was really pretty crazy. And, uh, and then... The ultimate, unfortunately, um, we took a canoe trip, one of the trip days. Sure. And so we started out with, you know, I was in the front, the other counselor in the middle, and the other guy in the back. You know, we had the kids, and we're pedaling around. So we kind of go around the bend. We were going all the way over. At that time, we had a, our, my folks had a house on Scattering Rice, which was four or five lakes over. Yeah. And so we were going kind of very close to that was where we were going to go, and we had a picnic, whatever. So we got around the bend and we pulled everybody over. So I, we said, hey, look, let's, let's go in a canoe together, the counselors, you know, so we could talk and BS and stuff, you know. So we, the three of us get in a canoe and we're talking, going like this. We look around, you know, we were, you know, we, we had these kids were like 10 years old, you know, they were, we didn't even know where they were. We, we said, oh, we're, I think we're in big trouble, you know. So finally, we kind of went back, they caught up. We finally got to where we were going. In order to bribe the kids so they wouldn't tell on us, I, I, I hitched a ride with somebody and got, went to our house, got our ski boat. I came back and I took all the kids skiing. By then, now we've got to get back to camp. Now we're going to be late. We're in big trouble. So I took all the canoe, tied up all the canoes together and took a ski boat and, and went back and I jumped out of the boat right before the turn, before we you know got in, left the boat in the middle of the lake, jumped back in the canoe. We pedal, you know, we all get into separate canoes. We sure. pedal in like nothing happened. Here's Mickey, um, Denny, um, the, the waterfront, what was his name? Uh, Baum, you know. Uh, oh, uh, Dave Baum? Dave Baum? Was it, or his father, it actually was oh. Henry, was it? Henry, yeah, 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 oh my God. He was there, he was in charge of the waterfront, just standing there with their hands on their hips. And we pull up and we went, oh, I think big trouble. Sure. So they get me out and they go to uh, take me into Al's cabin or something and say that we've had enough of you, you're out of here. <clears throat> so, so I got fired. Wow. And um, so I, you know, I got in the car and I drove to our house at <laughs> Scattering Rice. A little embarrassing for my mom and dad were not happy because sure. they were, you know, close to Al and Pearl, and it was very embarrassing. And and I remember that night, the the, the kids when they found out at uh, at our, you know, the, my campers because the campers loved me because you know we did a lot of crazy yeah. stuff. You know, <laughs> I was a good camper from their standpoint. Right. Not from uh, Denny and uh, Mickey's standpoint. So um, they got up in the middle of dinner and started chanting my name. And at, they started blowing the, the thing, the light and the horn back then, whatever they had. They wouldn't sit down. Wow. So they went and fired the other two counselors, my other two buddies. <laughs> they got rid of them. And uh, it, was, it was ugly. So, you know, it's funny because Denny, you know, ultimately we became an investor in the camp. And, you know, obviously I've known Denny for for a long time and he he still says he doesn't like me you know then he you know says lee you know i never liked you I said, okay that's fair you know <laughs> so that yeah so that's how i i didn't leave camp on a great on a great note but uh you know it was uh you know 10 years was was a long time and then i i uh you know we ended up out here i mean i left chicago when i was pretty young and, and went to arizona state <clears throat> pretty much stayed out west so 
you know, kind of lost track of camp for a while until I took him uh, to camp, dropped Chris off. And I think, what were you, nine or something, or yeah. nine or ten? <clears throat> and um, I hadn't been up there in a long time. And we had sold our house on Scattering Rice, you know, a long time ago. So I hadn't been back there or been back to camp or anything. And uh, I just... Uh, one of the real estate guys in town actually went to high school with us in Chicago, moved to Eagle River and ran the real estate office. Wow. So I stopped by his office and I said, you know, you have a cabin or something? I'd love to maybe buy a little cabin and come up here. And he said, no, nah. I said, but I got this house, you know, this Deer Point, you know, it's five acres. I said, no, no, I don't want, I don't want all that. So, but I had time to the airport. I said, well, let's go look at it. So we go look at this house, and there were three houses, and there's all this stuff. And I went, oh, my God. You know, it was a woman. Her husband had died. She was like 80. I said, what does she want? Hey, you know, like 350 grand. So I said, I'll tell you what. You offer 250, and I want all the furniture. I want the cars, the boats, the dishes. <laughs> you know, he said, oh, Lee, that's embarrassing. I said, well, then don't, I don't, you know, I don't want anything that big. I don't want it. I'm going back to Phoenix, you know. So I go back to Phoenix. I don't tell anybody. I don't tell my wife. I don't tell anybody because I figure I'm not getting this house. And buying a house without telling my wife, not a good idea. Sure. So I get home. I get a call. She took the offer. Wow. I go, oh, my God, now what do I do? So now I call the bank in Eagle River because, you know, I was there when I was a kid. My folks were there. So we knew a lot of people in town. And, and uh, so I called the bank. I said, hey, can I get a mortgage, you know, $250,000? Yeah. So I get a mortgage. Now I own the house. I don't remember what it looked like. And I was there for five minutes. I haven't told my wife. I ultimately told the kids, but I actually didn't tell my wife. For, we owned that thing for five, six months. And uh, so it, it, when she finally found out, it was not pretty. But uh, she fell in love with it. And so we had about, I don't know how long we owned it, maybe seven, seven eight years, something like no. that. And then the kids started to become teenagers, and they didn't want to go. I was working hard, so I couldn't get there as much. My wife was there all summer by herself, so ultimately we just didn't make sense to keep it. But yeah. but we've we've gone back, you know, Chris. We go back every year for a long time. We you know we go back and fish. We got our same guy we've had for 30 years and 20 20 some years. So we're you know, and every time we go back, we look around for something. You know, we keep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if we ever did something, I'd have to tell my wife, though. Yeah. No, I, no I think uh, I think for sure, I think, I, I mean, I think we should buy that old house. I mean, it, I mean, we love Eagle River. Mm-hmm. I think it's my favorite place on earth, literally, is Eagle River, Wisconsin. We go back every year, and uh, yeah, we almost bought a house this past summer fishing. And uh, it's just an amazing place, you know? Yeah, it's you back. I mean, even if you're not, like, I mean, obviously for me, I'm going back to camp every year, but even if it's not camp, like, there's something about being up there. Yeah. And a lot of what, I mean, in your time and, and even earlier on, it was a much bigger tourist attraction or a much bigger tourist town. You know, the yeah. summers would have 50,000 people there. And now the summers have 15,000 people. You know, I mean, it's dropped yeah. off a little bit. And somehow it still kind of has the same charm and, and the things that pull you back are just... Yeah, no, I mean, it, you know, the main street hasn't changed. The only thing that's different now is that there's no uh, weasels, which is, which is too bad. That is true. I don't know if you know, there is an alternative. Yeah, I know, and we've both been there. And I think uh, that's, a, that's a funny story, but I don't recall it. I do recall, uh, I think it was me, Stu Nitzkin, Jimmy Marco, Jeff Kaplan, 
I, we found ourselves, I think it was called the North Woods. Okay. Uh, we found ourselves there one, one late evening when we were obviously ca- uh, counselors. Sure. Maybe and it was not... The Frontier? The Frontier. Frontier. <laughs> Just for anyone who might be... Just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I recall us walking in there and like... It was. I think we walked right out. It was just nasty, <laughs> you know. But it's uh, not over its, uh, yeah. Goodness. But no, some of the uh, some of the fondest memories when I was you know that age was being at camp as a counselor with those guys. Yeah. You know, such a strong crew, and you know, you you bond with these guys. You know, you on, on, uh, on the frontier. What were the places you guys went to? Like, where did you hang out when you went outside of camp? Uh, the in-laws what's a what's the bar that everyone there's a bar that uh, I don't really remember in-laws was kind of the big one yeah in-laws and yeah in-laws and wherever the wherever I mean you know there was wherever the bars were that's where we were you know drinking and having a good time and you know trying to back then when I was a counselor like the the goal was to hook up with townies Forget about the, you know, the counselors at Maramita or these other, you know, chicks from Highland Park. The prize, you know, was to hook up with a townie, you know, because then, you know, the next morning you get the the chance at the, you know, in in mess hall, you know, hey, Chris, how was last night with the townie or what, you know? And so I kind of, I went out of my way to kind of, you know, go after these townies. Mm -hmm. And I was pretty successful in my endeavors. Very nice. Yeah. And they were just nasty, sure. most of them. <laughs> but it was all for the stories, you know? Right, right. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, there were some really funny times that I still remember. <laughs> now, are there any of those stories that you can sort of tell? No. I, I mean, there's one. I won't use names, but the people that listen to this will know. Um, very late at night. And uh, what's that? It's like that secret lake behind... Uh, we stayed there the, it, by the Chanticleer Dollar Lake. Oh, yeah, Dollar Lake, yeah. I remember being at Dollar Lake, there was like five of us and like five townies and just like uh, naked, skinny dipping. Nice. It was great. It was just an unbelievable nice. experience. <laughs> you know, and we all had a good time. I think, you know, we all scored or whatever. And, uh, you know, that's just one of the many stories of just, and that's part of, you know, the tradition and, the uh, the allure of being a counselor up there is, is just you become such good friends with these guys and you go out in this town where you know it, it, nothing changes and right. you know you try and you know, it's just a great it's just it, it's it's a great thing it's awesome and I miss it a lot yeah yeah there are one uh... so George Kerman have you talked to George sure certainly so George you know so, you know when you called me I started thinking about some stuff you know and. So I haven't seen George in a long time, you know, again, because I'm, you know, I'm here and these guys are there and, you know, so I don't, you know, I lost track of him. But we had a thing and I don't, I don't, I don't know if he, he may know, but for some reason we had this thing, it was called September 3rd. Now, I don't know what September 3rd meant to us or something happened or whatever. So every time I would see him, he would say September 3rd. September 3rd, late. Okay. So, and for the last 40 years or 50 years, on September 3rd, I get either an email or a text or a call back in the day before there was any texting or emailing, you know, from him. 
September 3rd, you know, so it's like it's a, you know, I always think about that because that's one of those kind of camp connections, even though I, you know, I haven't seen him. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a long time. You know, the memories of, of, uh, of being with him and, you know, all that stuff just continues, you know, yeah. you, you, uh, you know, I heard Gary Greenberg and you know, I heard his podcast and, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was great to hear. I haven't seen Gary in a few years, and and uh, but we were really close. You know, we actually um, started our businesses in the same year. So mm -hmm. back in 1974, we were very close because we were both doing the same thing. We both started companies and growing, yeah. and and uh, so we spent a lot of time together back in those days. And <clears throat> you know, for a while, we both were in YPO and all that. So. And then, but I, you know, you just kind of lose track. Obviously, you get kids and then grandkids, and sure. it's hard to keep up with people, right? But the memories and the bonding never stops from camp. That's you, know, you spend eight weeks with with a kid in a cabin. Mm -hmm. You know, where else do you do that? You yeah. don't. You don't. And, and you know, again, back then everybody went for a long time. So all the kids that were there when I was there went the whole time i don't you're remember eight weeks, right over. eight weeks over. for eight ten years you know all these all these guys were all became counselors all the guys that i was went through camp with you know they all kind of stayed on and that's just what you again that's just what you did back then mm -hmm. you know obviously now and now it's now it's different but uh so it's uh you know great amazing you know memories from camp yeah, and that, that September 3rd, that really nailed I mean, that's such a camp thing, because it's, who knows what it means. Yeah, yeah. And even if it meant something insane, it would be, it, it's not an enormous story. Yeah, but yeah. the fact that two guys can stay connected for 50 years, yeah. this little thing, yeah. that's exactly what camp is. Those perfect little camp moments you share yeah. with someone that 20 years from now you see them, you'd be like, oh man, remember how long time it's been? It's incredible. That was yeah, crazy. I, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of those stories, and, you know, and for me, being raised in, in Arizona, uh, it's a completely different culture, different language, different okay, talk. Sure. You know, I mean, I grew up with my cousins, Rick and John Michael, and so I kind of got like the lingo, like, you know, they guy, you know, guy, or, you know, just the, just the way Chicago people talk versus Arizona, it's yeah. completely different. And so for me going there, you know, I would always bring back, you know, the, the Chicago lingo and the accent, you know, like the you know, Jeff Kaplan and Benji Schwab and these guys had such a deep Chicago accent. And I, you know, I'd always come back when I, when I was at University of Arizona and when I was a counselor, I'd come back and everyone, and I'd start using these terms, you know, like, and it, it would catch on. And all of a sudden I'd be at a party and someone would say, hey, what's up, guy? And I'm like, hey, that's for me. You know, no one says, what's up, guy, in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, and so it's those things that... You know, I just looking back at all these things and at these guys and, um, you know, and then for me, it was, it was a lot of, it was the older role models. Like, you know, obviously my cousins, I bring them up a lot, but, uh, you know, it's, it's the, it's the Seth Marks, it's the, it's the Darren Annexter, you know, uh, Danny, Sh Danny Shapiro, Danny Barnett. Yeah, Danny was a, okay. Danny was But you know those guys. So I mean, I grew up with them because of my cousins, and I saw them a lot, and then seeing them at camp. And but those guys, you know, I always looked up to. Um, and then a bunch of them went to University of Arizona, and I was able to see them when my cousin was at ASU. And uh, you know, it's just a small, uh, you know, it's, it's a small fraternity of men that are 
if you're privileged to go to Camp Ojibwe, it's, um, you know, the memories are one thing, but uh, building, I mean, it builds lifetime relationships and for business too. I mean, I've had people that have reached out, hey, I went to Ojibwe, blah, 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 what are you up to? And this, you know, it's a great kind of connection in the business world as well. It's kind of like a YPO. And yeah. there's some, if you think about it, there's some very successful people that come out of Camp Ojibwe. And I think that a lot of it has to do, stems from the competitive nature of the whole yeah. situation, in which I wasn't, I wasn't a competitive guy, I'll admit it, you know, whatever, but I learned and I became more competitive, you know, from going there as a camper and then as a, as a counselor, as, as a coach. And uh, it's really, you know, looking back, it's one of those things that's really helped me in business as well. I mean, you learn that, you know, you gain that competitive edge and you gain a lot of, uh, you know, clout from being a, Camp, Camp Ojibwe, I mean, it's, it's become a great day. So, sort of getting toward the end of things, I usually ask a couple of questions. You guys are now grown in a few <laughs> years apart, but how would you say that your experience at camp changed your life? Or how would you say your experience at camp affected your life? Affected, yeah. Well, again, I think for me it was, it was sports related. You know, it was all... Yeah, because I was trying to be an athlete in college, and you know, for me, I thought I was going to be a professional athlete. So for me, sports was my whole life, literally. Uh, so, you know, I think for me, camp—that's what camp did for me. It was just the competitive nature of it, trying to be the best, trying to beat everybody, and 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 uh, you know, the talent that was there back then. Yeah. There was a lot of great athletes back then, and they were all—you know—I mean, you knew them because they were. In, playing in high school, they were all state and this and that. So, you know, you always had something to, to try and, you know, build to. <clears throat> so I think for me that was it. You know, and again, that and then the when, when you're going there, you don't understand the camaraderie side of it. You know, you don't – you only get that later. You know, the fact the bonding and what you remember about these kids and, um, you know, so that that's kind of, you know, is, is my takeaway is, is – was for me it was definitely sports-related you know, competitiveness and, um, but, um, you know, you, you'd mentioned Sidney Harris, you know, and, and, uh, you got to say hi to him because, uh, it's another guy I've kind of lost touch with, but, you know, he was always one of my favorite guys. We were real good friends and he became a golfer. I became a golfer, not at his level. He was actually a pretty good competitive golfer. And actually, I don't know. Maybe played on one of the tours. I mean, that's how good oh, wow. he. Yeah, that's how good he was. And I tried to do that. So we were. We, we used to play some golf together. He ended up in Flagstaff. I kind of again lost track of him. So I'd love to reconnect with him one day. You know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and what about yourself? How would you say that um, your time at camp, both as camper and counselor, um, sort of affected your life? You know, I think as. I mean, I was always an athlete. I was always into team sports as a kid and all that, but I wasn't, again, I wasn't too competitive, but I was always really good. I was usually one of the, I was in soccer and basketball. I was one of the best players out here. And then going there, I wasn't one of the best. You know, there's a lot of, there was a lot of great athletes, you know, but I think that um, as a camper, the most important thing was uh, learning how to be more competitive in a good way. Uh, you know, because Denny was always, emphasizing you know team sports and being a good sport and back which in camp Ojibwe is not famous for but right. you know it te back then you know they taught you how to be a you know competitive athlete and how to be a good loser as well so I think that was kind of 
you know, my emphasis as a camper, but then as a, as a counselor, it's a completely different situation. I mean, besides for, you know, going out and becoming best friends with these guys, you know, and having an unbelievable time, you get to take care of these kids and these, they look up to you, you know, you're still a kid. I mean, you're a counselor, what, 18, 19, whatever. Yeah. And you're in charge of these young kids. And, <laughs> and so that teaches you, you know, a lot of, you know, you go into it being, okay, I'll be a counselor. But then at the end, you know, you fall in love with these kids. I mean, you know, the, it was, I remember these kids loved me just like him. Cause I was, I, you know, we do food runs and, you know, I was really, I was outgoing and nice. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't one of those bossy kind I was just really low laid back and everyone, you know, loved me, but, um, just the entire experience. It's like I said earlier, it's just a small fraternity of men. And, um, you know, you asked for a, a story. There's, I have so many stories that I can't share, <laughs> you know, just cause I, a, most of these guys are married and I don't want to go there. Right. And B, I would never throw anybody under the bus, but you know, you can always feel free to, to share a nameless story. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's just so many of those stories, but you know, one story that I that came up recently is uh, I was in I was in L.A. on business like a few months back, and you know, we're at a hotel or something, and um, we're at dinner. And uh, the table next to us, I hear this guy talking about field hockey in Wisconsin as a kid, just kind of over here, you know. So I kind of peeped my head over and I started listening. And it turns out he was my age. It turns out he was a camper in cabin two with me uh, at the same time I was, I was there. Wow. He goes, Chris Cohn, oh, and he knew who I, he knew me. I didn't, I, I did not remember him. I played like I did, yeah. but I, you know, I heard him talking. I said, are you, he started interrupting, but are you talking about Camp Ojibwa? He's like, yeah. And it turned, you know, we spent a whole, uh, you know, it was a business kind of, you know, we had our girlfriends there or whatever. So, um, I pretty much ditched my group and I, I was just talking Ojibwa for literally like five hours that night. That's awesome. And it was just story after story. And we called some people. I think we called like Seth Wenig or Jeff Kaplan or somebody and goes, I can't believe it. And so that just kind of goes back to, you know, being that small fraternity of, uh, of men. And it's just, it's great. And we ended up doing some business together. He was a successful guy in LA and in my industry. And it's just weird. It's crazy. Awesome. How things like that work out. And it's only because of Camp Ojibwa. Nice. What's your story? <laughs> Well, I've told a couple of good ones already. The, the, the one I just kind of remembered, and I'll go back to the pranking, you know, to the degree that we went to. I remember we, there was one counselor that was in our part of our pranking group. It was, you know, who could outdo who with the craziest stuff, I mean, really crazy, bad stuff. And um, so one of these counselors was a really sound sleeper. So we went into his cabin. We took his bed while he was sleeping, walked it to the end of the pier, put it down, and left him. Left him. And the guy, the guy woke up. I don't remember who it was. He woke up and freaked out. You can imagine. Sure. You know. I mean, that was, that was, that, that was, that was a good story. Wow. Another one when we, uh, you know, the, there was the big thing of the, the flag, you know, the... I think with Al with every morning, right? The f right, colors, colors, and the the yeah, flag and all that. 
So uh, one one night we went out and we 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 got some panties from somewhere I don't know where, <laughs> and we you know put the panties up on the on the flagpole. Al comes out in the morning and went went crazy. You know, again went around and who did that? I don't know if we ever admitted it, which would not be a good idea. Not with Al, that was one of his things. You know, to, to what we did to the American flag. You know, put a pair of panties up, <laughs> flopping around up there, and the kids got out in the morning. There was this pair of panties up there. You know, so that those were a couple of you know crazy stories. You know, I mean, there's you know, like Chris said, there's so many stories if you really go back and you know fun stuff that you did, crazy stuff. Um, you know, and, uh, so it was, it was, uh, again, you know, great, there's nothing like Ojibwe, you know, and, uh, you know, to me, it's kind of not sad because things change, times change, but, you know, I, I, you know, personally, I think it was better back then, you know, I mean, that's just, I think it's kind of, I think it had to go the other way. I mean, it's, it, you know, I think Danny and, you know, again, as an investor, going way back when Denny first did it, you know, I remember some of the conversations was about that. Yeah. And some of the old guys that were, you know, like me, didn't, you know, hey, come on, you got to keep it this way. And the reality is, you you, you know, yeah, you, can't you, 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 you can't, yeah, just, you know. And uh, But the other day I was at this club that we belong over here where we work out and the kids had a basketball tournament. And uh, so all the kids got and both teams got trophies and everybody got a trophy and I started laughing at myself like this is this is the problem today you know it doesn't matter if you win or lose every kid gets a trophy hey good job you came in last hey that was great you get the same trophy as the guy who came in first <laughs> so you know I'm not big on all that I'm, I'm kind of still kind of you know old-fashioned when it comes to that kind of stuff it's probably not good you know good thing my kids are grown I don't have to worry about it you know? <laughs> I don't have to worry about that anymore, you know. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. It's been awesome to sit down with you guys and talk and uh, get some stories. Out it was fun. Yeah. Nice to meet you guys. Thanks for coming to yeah, Arizona. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>